Blog Talk Radio. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Guru Work Hour. Brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curia Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Loeb, clifflow.com in scenic Phoenix, New Jersey. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Stuart Palm of stuartpalm.com in Hong Kong bring us today's topic of using cards for magic and manifestation. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure root work as divined, and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com, and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Cat? Hi, Clifford. Boy, I barely made it in today. I came running up the stairs out of breath. Whew. Um, I was doing work at the shop, cleaning things up. After several days of doing virtually nothing but readings for people, I was reading back-to-back nonstop on Hoodoo Psychics. It was quite a um, quite a, an amazing run of being on Hoodoo Psychics. Everybody seems to want a reading that had to do with their jobs. And this kind of goes to something that Conjurman and I had discussed last week, I believe it mm-hmm. was. And we were saying how all of our readings, you know, usually it's the romance reading, and um, and suddenly it was no longer the romance reading. It was the job reading. And I just had them back to back to back to back. I did have yeah. one um, person who was pregnant and wanted to know if they could do curses while pregnant. And I asked, what kind of curses would you like to do? And she said, there's somebody really horrible on my job. <laughs> <laughs> so that was work-related, too. Oh, wow. It was all the job-related. And I told her, no, don't do a curse oh, while wow. you're pregnant. You'll mark the baby. And um, and she said, what can I do? I said, well, try a freezer spell or something. But that was interesting, too. Even the pregnancy was about the job. And there was it's just been kind of interesting um, mm. seeing what is happening in the economy. The, um, the crazy has come out. Um, and, and as yeah. usual, this is kind of preaching to the choir because I know who listens to this show. Um, but, Conjurman, you know, have you been noticing the number of people who said that the shortage of baby formula is orchestrated by President Joe Biden? Yeah. I mean, oh. the, I, the, something has <laughs> happened in the past. We've always, and we've talked about this, you and I have talked about this, conspiracy theories have always been a thing, but like something happened in the pandemic that broke ordinary people's brains, and now... It broke like their minds, out, yeah. Yeah, they're out in public with this stuff, and you're just like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I of course, um, responded very kindly with a link to an article about the shutdown of the Similac factory run yeah. by Abbott 
laboratories, Abbott Nutrition and Sturgis in Michigan, all the contamination have been reported for two years prior to this, that, that this was yeah. an ongoing problem and that they'd never fixed it, and it was particular bacteria that was all in the machinery and it was causing illness and they were afraid it was going to cause death of babies. And this, uh, you know, and so for my trouble in doing all that research and kindly talk. I got blocked from <gasps> the person's account, right? I just got oh, blocked because I was the bearer of truth or the bearer yes. of news they didn't want to hear. And these yep. were people, by the way, just saying, just raised my hand to testify, these were people in the hardcore Tarot community. <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. like, holy moly, even Get too brutal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like even, even her, even them. Wow. So yeah, it's been a it's been a fun fun week for that. Um, other events. Um, let's see. Well, I had uh, my birthday, and that was nice. Happy I birthday. Seventy five. Thank you. And uh, and it was it was nice. It was a great little birthday. And um, let's see. Oh, my gosh, we've been working at the tech team, getting all of the new members of AIR put into AIR. It's been a big, big project. There's so many new people joining AIR. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm so thrilled. I'm so happy to donate my time to getting their pages set up and getting them announced. And then, of course, we're also working on the Hoodoo Heritage Festival at the AISC, and I'm not on that festival committee, but I am on the tech team, which announces the festival. So mm. every Tuesday we've been working hard either doing a festival video announcement or a new AIR member. And we've got so many new AIR members stacked up to alternate with the festival that the festival, which is uh, August 13th and 14th, 2022, will be over before we get all the new air members in. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, we got so many air members coming up. It's really cool. And they're really cool people. They're all, they're, these are, you know, not newcomers to the field of reading and root work. And to anyone who listens to this who's been thinking about joining air, this is a six month sort of grace period where. Deacon Millant has uh, said that he will give anybody who joins AIR and who do psychics a free membership of the, into the paying for their directory listing at who do psychics for a year. So that uh, system is working wonders and is also probably responsible for so many new people joining both who do psychics and AIR at the same time because it's a twofer. You get both, and the only person who is losing on this is Deacon Millet, who simply is uh, doing away with his fee in order to help air, which is incredibly really generous. It's so generous. I mean, he's lost hundreds and hundreds on this already, and it, it's just—it's really good for air. It's really good for hoodoo psychics, and um, it's good for the public who wants reading. So that's what's been new with me. Just a lot of work, and um, oh, oh, and of course, duh, and I finished my book. <laughs> Oops, Congratulations, that. that's fantastic <laughs> and exciting. That's, that's how crowded this week has been. I finished my book on dolls, and I think the official title will be Hoodoo Dolls and Effigies. And it is going to have a cover art soon, I hope, courtesy of Gray Townsend. And 
I'm just now sending it out for proofreading uh, to um, the, the, my trusted proofreaders, and that's it. We're we're on the road to getting that thing to the printer as soon as we get the cover Amazing. art finished. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody who supported me on Patreon. There have been so many people who've contributed as little as $2 a week to get these books written so I have time to do the books and um, don't I can still do a little bit of reading for the public, but I don't have to give up all my readings to do the books, and I don't have to not do the books because I need to earn a living by readings. It balances it out. So I hmm. so appreciate my patrons who are paying me a, a nice amount of money per month, not to get rich, but just to allow me to have that time to write books. Thank you so much. And if you don't know about Patreon, Go look it up, patreon.com, and you can find me at patreon.com forward slash Catherine Ironwood. And for $2 a week, you can become a patron, and you'll get um, thanks. And if you pay a little more, you'll get stuff sent to you, books and and mm-hmm. other goodies. All righty, that's my news. How about you, Countryman? What's up with you this week? Oh, you know, like you, it's a busy, busy uh, week. I think, uh, I think it's just that... Forest season hit, and we're like, all right, get to work. <laughs> uh, I think people mm-hmm. forget, um, if Taurus gets this reputation of being um, slow and lazy, mm-hmm. but in actuality, we, while we do like being comfortable and we like relaxing, we're actually busybodies. We like doing mm-hmm. steady work over a period of time. And so, like, there was times, and Kat and I were talking about this, where we were working on the tech team, and we would just work for, like, hours We'd work all day, mm-hmm. and we're just just fixing links and adding things and editing things. And before you realize it, it's been like ten hours. <laughs> right. That's a, right. That just gives you an example of how Tauruses are. So it's been quite of a busy week for me, uh, doing lots of uh, readings. I'm all booked up, unfortunately, for for all of June. I think not unfortunately, but fortunately, I'm all booked up for May and June. So for people who've been asking, uh, I probably won't have any availabilities until mid July, and I'll let everyone know when I when I do because I've got a few emails asking, uh, so all booked. Um, it is, I will say, just two real brief things. One, the number of crazy has definitely increased. And I think that, you were, I mean, we need to be honest about it. There's something about the way it intersects with our community, the spiritual community, the tarot community, the New Age community, mm-hmm. the hoodoo community, and we got to call it, call a spade a spade, right? They're really seeing something happen in this pandemic to break people's minds and they start to believe conspiracies. And I always tell people, life is so much more interesting. You don't need conspiracies. <laughs> you don't need them. I mean, you can just look around at the, you know, the state of global capitalism and climate change to see things like oil shortages and water shortages and droughts and whatnot and be like, okay, you don't need a secret cabal or, or Joe Biden to mess this stuff up. We've done a good enough job ourselves. So it's been, it's been right. a, a bit of a, a bit of an experience seeing all that. Uh, there is a lunar eclipse happening tonight, so I just want to hop, point that out to people. Uh, for mm-hmm. anyone who is doing magical work, just take a pause. I always get clients who go, what kind of evil spell can I do during this time? And who can I? And I'm like, uh, eclipses generally in the traditional understanding are breaks. The, the lights kind of do something funky. The moon gets funky, the sun gets funky. So people generally don't do things like charge talismans and whatnot. They just, they take a break. 
in fact, in mm-hmm. most traditions, both in the Jewish tradition and in the Islamic tradition, uh, and you do see it a little bit in Eastern Orthodox, less so in Protestant Christianity, there are literal specific prayers during an eclipse. Prayers mm-hmm. that, you do that just sort of glorify God, ask for blessing, and just say, we're going we're gonna to take a pause here, we're going to step out, we're going to stay inside and stay away from the rays of the eclipse. So I do want to... Uh, Note that there is a lunar eclipse uh, going on tonight, so it's a good time to sort of reflect and to do a little bit of prayer, uh, but also take a pause in whatever magical working that you're doing. It's a good time to do that. Uh, it'll end sometime around midnight, a little bit shortly thereafter. But I do have a good. Speak, I don't speaking, leave of, it on speaking of the crazy, yeah. speaking of the crazy, yeah, yeah. I just uh, earlier today ran across a thread that was um, gathered from Reddit. What was the stupidest thing someone you ever heard someone say that you still remember years later? And someone recounted that they had gone to some resort area to be in the path of the lunar eclipse and see it with real totality. And they oh, Jesus. stepped out of the yeah stepped out of the hotel and realized that they were the only hotel guests who are watching the lunar eclipse. No one else did. And just as it was reaching totality, a woman walked by and said, came over to them and said, is there something wrong with the moon tonight? <laughs> oh, goodness. You're so disconnected to... sometimes. You, you just kind of go, oh, God. That's hilarious. I do, I do want to just uh, end it with good news. I don't want to go, oh, my God, they wrote Conjure Man saying all these scary things. I had a really fantastic... Uh, news from a client. So I've been doing work, uh, as people know, I do a lot of work for uh, people in Los Angeles. It's again, one of the places I'm in. Uh, and so I do quite a bit of work in the entertainment industry. Madame Nadia is also quite famous for this type of enchantment, entertainment, success stuff. But I had a client and we were really worried because a lot of indications said that 2022 was going to be rough. It was going to be a year when we looked at the charts, we were like, this is a year of layoffs. Just got to be careful. Mm-hmm. And that's come true. Like we're seeing layoffs left and right. And in particular, we're seeing it in the entertainment industry. Really good shows are getting canceled. Like shows that you're mm. like, why is this getting canceled? It's got millions of viewers. And like, oh, my God. So we did a lot of work. Uh, we did one, got a protection merger bag, job security merger bag, where we put the boss in there with some good boss fix stuff. Lucky Mojo boss fix oil was used to anoint it. Uh, and then I made them a, a, a talisman for them to carry on their body as well as so these two objects. And I just got the news that not only are they continuing the job, but they're renewing their season. So I don't want to give away too much hey. because person works privately in the, in the industry, but very good news. Happy, happy news to report in that regard. So that's a little bit of positivity to take us into the week. Yeah, that's good. That is good news. Yeah, things have been, again, job-related. It's just yeah, really funky, going right? on. It's very funky. Um, if you all are um, planning to get a reading about your job, i give you a tip. Um, tell your reader a couple of things just at the beginning. It'll help. They'd like to know your first name so they know what to call you. They would like to know what um, your sign of the zodiac is so they can see how bad it really is for you, depending on what sign you are. And they'd, at least your sun sign. And if they do Chinese astrology, give, give them your Chinese astrology. Um, they'll figure it out. And then the other one is, what field are you in? And I've been mm-hmm. noticing that um, the job problems are uh, widespread, but right now we have Mercury retrograde as well. And so yeah. these are people with uh, sales jobs. 
and uh, that are having difficulty, or customer service, or scheduling, or HR, or they are working in logistics and trucking. Those are the people who are having the most trouble for me, and it's all kind of Mm -hmm. mercury-oriented. All right, and I wanted to say one other thing about Taurus is being lazy. They've actually now found the molecular basis for this. Not for Tauruses, but I know it's for Tauruses. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a it's something called butyral cholinesterase. And you can look it mm. up. And um, those who don't have it cannot wake up in the morning. And oh, they interesting. Don't, they don't state change. They don't arouse. They just sort of vegetate. <laughs> so... There's, a, there's an actual genetic reason for it, and they're now um, honing in on what that means for people genetically why, in a widespread way. Anyway, all righty. Well, today we have a guest coming all the way from the other side of the world. Um, hello, Stuart Palm. Welcome, hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Um, Stuart, um, I have to admit I've forgotten. What is your sign of the zodiac? Aquarius. Aquarius, good for you, except for Saturn. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I'm an Aquarius, Um, Scorpio Aquarius. Scorpio. Oh, nice. Nice, very fixed. That explains your fixity. Yeah, Yeah. I have an Aquarius moon. I think I've mentioned that uh, to you before. And as soon as you said Aquarius, it Mm -hmm. all comes back in my mind. I have a million charts filed in my mind. So you're bringing (laughs) us the topic today of... Um, doing spell work with cards. But before we get into that, I'd like you just to catch us up a little. You've been on our show before. Catch us up a little bit on what you've been doing lately and how people can reach you. Okay? Uh, Well, people can reach me at my website, stuartpalm.com, easy, uh, or or on the uh, Instagram world at Psychic Entertainer, which is uh, Mm -hmm. another side of things that I do. Um, but the the website's the easiest place, and Stuart at stewartpalm dot com. They can email me, uh, and and I'm in uh, I'm in a strange other part of the. I, I seem to be both in the future and the past in terms of what's going on in the rest of the world, because we just are coming off of our most recent lockdown here uh, mm. from COVID, and I and I watched. Uh, you know, United States news and people are like, oh, back in back in during the pandemic, I'm like, well, it's still it's still going on. <laughs> we still mm-hmm. have places that, that are locked down, and and some of that is political here, so it, it's a bit crazy. Um, but I, I'm in a place where jobs are definitely the full focus of every reading, and uh, it's mostly because everybody's transitioning. Lots of people are leaving town. Lots of people are moving to another position or an, another thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on those experiences. It's been the same over here as well. Uh, but we just, we just went through a period where you weren't allowed to go out to dinner. They closed everything down at 6 p.m. I don't know how that fights a virus, but apparently that's what they mm-hmm. had in their minds. Um, and, and we're slowly, they're drip feeding, opening things back up. We still have to wear masks everywhere. Um, so uh, it, it's an interesting experience. Um, I, I think part of what we're talking about is just the level of anxiety and fear worldwide is, has become, you know, everybody. 
<laughs> has, has mm-hmm. ra- raised, mm-hmm. raised their level of fear and anxiety. Um, so lots of stuff uh, to do with meditation and calming down and finding your center and finding balance has been helpful for lots of people. I think that's a good way for those of us who understand those things to help. You're so positive. My solution to it is blocking all those people who post memes with the words fuck, bitch, cunts. Oh, well, um, I just don't face I just block them. I just block them. I mean, I that's that is my meditation. Oh, look another one who's called everybody bitches. All gone now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's really crazy out there. The amount of anger, free-floating anger, not even directed at anybody, just directed at everybody, is so outrageous. And um, well, I think yeah, meditation I is think a good meditation is a good solution. We've lost our our trust worldwide for experts and and mm-hmm. knowledge, and that's what everybody's grasping for. Where do I? What can I trust? Mm-hmm. What is what is you know where where can I put my uh, trust in that this is valid information and and then mm-hmm. they the onus ends up on, they realize that they have to decide mm-hmm. because in the past I think people trusted you know oh that that's right that's that's the news <laughs> mm-hmm. well I I feel like I've been thrust into the world of what we used to call the screaming people on the subway but. Now they're everywhere, and they're being fed to us by social media. We have to learn to claim our space. And um, I do believe in in quietude, and I do believe in uh, trying to make a world around oneself that is safe and friendly, cuddly even, Mm -hmm. um, comfortable, cozy. I like that. But um, but part of the thing is that these uh, next door neighbors are like banging on the walls, you know. All you hoes think a tarot deal, a tarot reader's gonna cure your shit? No way, no fucking way. And they post this, right? And I'm like, well, that really speaks well for our community. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, my meditation is um, kind of like a bug zapper. Just zap them, zap them. But I'm not a very calm person, I guess. I I make my calm by destroying those who intrude. So you're a probably a better person than me. <laughs> no, I but I like what you said about also the lack of respect for authority. It's not even a lack of respect for authority. It's even a lack of understanding of history. Nobody yeah, knows sure. anymore who was who, who did what, what was what. And I'm not, I mean, I'm going to sound like, you know, Cicero, uh, the ancient Roman Cicero lamenting how things aren't like during his childhood, um, but now I'm officially old. I can't do that. But it, it's it's sad, you know, because people start to say things like, um, "Oh my gosh, you know that so and so did this piece of art, and it's signed with someone else's name." Literally, and you say, "Did you you posted this? It's signed with someone else's name, and you're saying that the artist is such and such." Can I correct you? No, you can't. <laughs> they're they're all up in their thing. It's kind of crazy. So, I don't know. I'm just uh, hoping that we all level out. And um, gosh knows where where you are. You know, you're just coming out of a lockdown right now. Where I am. Sonoma County, California, they're just instituting masks again, right? 
back to yeah. masks. <laughs> so, who knows? It's yeah. a it's yeah. a crazy world. It's really a crazy world. I don't mean to sound um, cynical, but there's a kind of a, a feeling here that um, it's just hamsters in a wheel these days. Just hamsters in a wheel. Well, uh, I think that people in charge of things, in, and especially in in um, in terms of cities and, and states, they, they're just not sure what to do. So they keep mm-hmm. flip-flopping. Yeah. And uh, they don't know who to trust either. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I said, you recommend meditation. I recommend zapping the wackos. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend Something where you can just, ah, yeah. Zapping the wackos. That's going to be a motto somewhere. Someone put that on a pillow. Zapping the wackos. Um, somebody told me, well, if you do that, you're just letting them win the, in the marketplace of ideas. And I'm like, it's not a marketplace anymore. It's just mixed martial arts out there. You know. <laughs> well, anyway, we have a topic, and our topic has to do with our actual little corner of the world, not the crazy portion that represents itself, but the actual people who are interested in metaphysics, occultism, folk magic, and um, bettering yourself through spiritual focus. These are really important topics, and I won't say they're more important now than they ever were. I would say they are as important, and don't forget that. So today we have, um, Stuart has brought us a topic which we've talked about various times over the past umpty umpty years this show has been around we started the show in 2004 and this is not the first time this topic has come around but it's the first time Stuart's talked about it so he's going to bring us something <laughs> and this is um doing magic with cards and this can include playing cards <clears throat> oracle cards lenormand cards and tarot cards and i just want to start with a little shout out to two people um, one of them is valentina burton <clears throat> if you saw the Um, ad or the slideshow for this show, you'll see a picture of three very, very large tarot cards with three very small tarot cards laid over them. This is a photo that was taken by our friend um, Shelby O'Connelly at a Hoodoo Heritage Festival of years past when Valentina showed her method for um, doing magic with tarot cards. So what what you're looking at in this picture is a printout of a tarot card that's made large enough to print as a candle label, should you wish to, and a tarot card mini deck. And what she was showing, and I'm going to just briefly explain it here on her behalf, was how to take a situation and change it. So looking from right to left, because the one on the right is the most obvious one. We have the lovers, and then we have the judgment, which shows rising from the dead is a family with a child. So this is about a situation that um, is a love relationship, and the idea is, the answer to the question is, yes, your love will exist even after the blessed, um, you know, happy Garden of Eden phase, There's an angel in each card. You're blessed either way, and you will be blessed to be a family even after death and will meet in heaven. It's a really obvious reading and magical act. So the label would be put on the candle, and then the card would be laid in front of it or under it. 
The second one, going to the middle, is a woman who's tied and bound and blindfolded with swords in the ground all around her. She's immobilized. And rushing in is the Knight of Swords, and he's rushing in as if he's going to cut those bonds off of her. Now, the Knight of Swords has a bad rep as being disorganized, acts too soon, doesn't take you know, careful consideration of his own safety. But in this circumstance, that's exactly what this lady needs. She needs someone to rush in and just cut those bonds, even at the risk of his own safety and sanity. The third one on the far left shows the hand of God holding the Ace of Cups, beautiful um, water overflowing. And in front, we have the star, a woman who is pouring out water. So this is about taking the blessings that you receive from heaven or from God and then in a more immediate and small way doing your part of doing charity for others and sharing that water with other little flowers. So those cards are just a sample of the way Valentina Burton taught us to work with tarot cards, a big one and a little one. Now, another name I'm going to shout out before I turn Stuart loose on this is Charles Porterfield and his well-known, extremely popular book, A Deck of Spells, which is about playing card magic, which contains over 100 spells using playing cards, and a few with Tarot also. And um, I'm very happy to have been the editor and publisher of that book. It's still in print. We're going to keep it in print just as forever because it's really popular. If you don't have a copy of a deck of spells, you ought to get it. So that's my intro. Now I'm going to just turn this over to Stuart. You just start talking, man. You tell us what you want to tell us. (laughs) Well, the reason I thought this would be a good one to talk about is because most of the time people think of tarot cards and oracle cards and uh, any form of card you're using for readings as a, a, a tool for synchronicity, divination, searching, and, and, and allowing the cards to present for you what spirit or the universe has to give, uh, and, and that you can turn it around the other way and use your own conscious energy to say, okay, well, I'm gonna, I want this to happen, or I, I'm going to help this guide you know, this direction or that direction, and use those symbols to create rituals, to create spells, use spells, to bring about whatever it is that that, um, that you're trying to get to. And I do this all the time. Uh, and, and one of the simplest things in the modern world today is, um, like, for example, if I wanted to strengthen a love bond, I would take a love-associated card, and I might even just take a picture of it and put it as the screen on my phone so I have it there uh, unconsciously working on me, unconsciously directing me, and then I will also arrange something with that card using a candle. Uh, Usually it's a combination of cards and candles that I'll do in my working space to create or manifest or direct whatever energy it is towards um, whatever I'm trying to to get it. Uh, But I think that it's, it's an infinite world of possibility of what you can arrange and and create through cards. Um, It's been something I've done more lately because I went through a two-year process of making my own Oracle deck. And um, I would recommend, even if you don't have the 
drawing art capability, even if you just do stick figures, that anybody who practices this way take the time to uh, take a set. It could just be, you know, uh, Lenormand was a great is a great place to work from, and just draw out your own set of these kinds of cards. Because when you do that, it somehow strengthens that power, and it even when you're using someone else's cards, you relate differently. And, and of course, the cards you create, they're going to be more powerful for you. Um, so that's where I, I came from that perspective today because I was like, well, this is this is stuff that I've been doing lately that's been dead on and and bringing me lots of uh, lots of success, lots of power, lots of um, positivity in a place where we really need <laughs> we really need it around the world, more positive energy. Um, yeah. When, um, you know, can I, I'm just going to jump in here. Yeah. You mentioned some some stuff that's real interesting to me as far as technology. You can um, get public domain images from Wikipedia mm. and from places like com and so forth, and uh, create and create your own deck. You wouldn't probably want to publish it because it would be kind of you know personal to you but many people are now making their own decks and some people are publishing them in limited editions just an Mm -hmm. idea yeah no it's it's a great process and it's it's a much i guess much easier to do today to create your own deck and and uh and get it printed on good cards and you know if you you just want to do it for yourself uh, uh there's you know companies that can do that for you as well um which is a you know Sort of what I did, but I'm selling it to other people mm-hmm. too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Print on demand so I, is what I'm, it's called. I'm curious. Whenever you're working with cards, because I work uh, when I'm doing magic work with cards, it's it's with my own deck, but I also will use tarot and I will mix the two together. Uh, do you also use multiple decks simultaneously? I, I do have two decks. Uh, I have two decks, so I mean we all have multiple decks, but I have a working deck and I have a deck that I use for divination. So there's one deck, to just regular writer weight, that has like candle marks on it, that has wax on it, that sometimes I've written on as a petition paper and whatnot. And I use those actively on the altar, and then I have a separate one that I use to shuffle and whatnot. That's just for practical reasons. I don't want to mess up my divination deck. I don't want it to accidentally burn. I don't want so whatnot. But yeah, this way of actively working with cards is really cool because one, it transforms the divination tool from something that is passive into something that is active that you can manipulate. And we see a lot of this in hoodoo, particularly around things like candle magic. So candle magic has uh, divinatory components to it. You read the wax, but as Kat has repeatedly pointed out, you also manipulate the wax. If it's not burning right, you fix it. You intervene, right? You cut the wick, you mm. do all these sort of things. And it's, this is based off of the same principle, that divination doesn't need to be passive, that you can receive an answer and be like, hmm, all right, I need to change this answer. How do I do it? I'm going to use the very tool itself. I do want to give a, another person a shout-out. Uh, we've mentioned some phenomenal names, but I want to also mention Madame Nadia, who does a lot of work around card magic, using the Lenormand in her work, using the tarot in her work. So a lot of the sort of 
transformation magic. He does a lot of the candle magic. He does it based off of the imagery and the use of the cards in this way. And she has some really cool decks too, like the Death Day deck and the Lenormand, all sorts of weird and unique Lenormand decks that she uses. But this tool of using your deck as a an altarpiece, as a magical act, is really immensely powerful. And the more you learn how to sort of manipulate them, the more you can bring them into into your work. So one way that I've done it, and then I'll, I'll open this up for you all, is uh, the lover's card. Just cut out the picture. If you've got Photoshopping skills, use Photoshop. I have no Photoshopping skills, but I've cut people's pictures out and put them in the lover's card. So it takes the mm-hmm. uh, writer's way lover's card, put the little faces in each of the figures, uh, and then use mm-hmm. that as part of my uh, candlework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I do this too, and... Um, I don't use multiple decks at one time. I have just uh, multiple reading decks, so I because I'm always you know I got move from room to room, building to building. I oh sure. I get a tarot deck right now, and I've got multiple decks. But I also have to my left uh, three cases full of tarot, oracle, and the Norman decks if I ever feel so moved. But some of them are like little art objects. You know, you don't want to read with your 1916 Revelation deck. You know, it's just keep it pristine. (laughs) I'm a collector as well. But um, there's a a couple of things here that um, Nagashiva has mentioned in the chat. Um, uh, Michelle Jackson uh, did a workshop on Make Your Own Tarot. She brought um, tons and tons of slick, glossy magazines and had us just cutting out pictures and making a tarot card. Um, we each made one card. If we, unless we were fast, we might make two. It was a wonderful exercise. She showed us her collage deck, which was amazing. And that was written up, and I think it might have been in the black folder. I'm not sure. And Madame Nadia did a workshop on transformation from divination to spell work. In other words, how you use the suits on a card or the picture on a card to get you to the form of divination. And the classic one is... If the card is pentacles or coins, you would do um, talismanic or crystal or herb magic, something of the earth, or diamonds if it was playing card suits. And if it was Hmm. wands, it would be clubs, and therefore it could be torches or candles or lamps. And so these are really interesting ways to bring your tarot reading into magical work by using the suits. Uh, Now, I'm not as familiar with Lenormand, and every time I see the mice with their cheese, I'm thinking, "What now? How would I do a spell based on that?" <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> so it's maybe more adaptable to tarot with its very formal structure. But there are the Norman decks in which there is an inset playing card, and there's the uh, red Grimaud. Uh, Norman, which unfortunately is no longer in print. It's a fantastic deck and has everything in rhyme. It's just this great little deck. It has Lenormand, it has a rhyme, and it has a playing card. And that is really useful if you want to bring your reading into a spell. It, t- it basically tells you what spells um, you would be using. I can tell you exactly how to use the mouse card. <laughs> oh, tell me. So, yeah, so let's say that, that 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 mouse is pointing to somebody who's trying to take your power or steal from you at work. This is a mm-hmm. work person. Often this is where it comes up, is that it's somebody who's trying to uh, push past someone else in their um, you know process, in their job. And um, 
what you do is you you take the the mouse card, which is the card for somebody who's who's trying to deceive and steal, and you write their name on it. You write that person's name on, it, mm-hmm. or you copy it and write that person's name on it, and then uh, you take the the fox card, which is the job card, and you mm-hmm. pair that with something that has to do with success in your job, and then you cut up that mouse card and burn it. Mm. So you're simultaneously empowering yourself towards your own work and getting rid of that other person who's in your way. Wow. That's really cool. That's really cool. And so you cut up the mouse card. I was very cool. Cut up the mouse card into little shreds and feed it to the fox card and then burn it. That's really nice. There you go. Feed the fox card even better. Mm-hmm. I think what, what this mm-hmm. all highlights here, particularly with the tarot and the Norman, is that you're building a narrative. You're building a story. And we've talked about this before in that a lot of ritual work, a lot of magic work is symbolic storytelling, narrative storytelling, right? That's what makes a really good card reader as well, the ability to, mm-hmm. to pull the story out of the image. What you're doing now is you're building the story. You're actually creating the story. So you go, okay, well, what does which, if I want to bring two people together, what card tells that story? Or what combination of cards reflects the change that I want? If I want to go from a state of poverty to a state of abundance, what cards reflect those different stages? What cards show that particular story? And so this is where I think uh, decks with imagery, whether it's the Tarot or the Lenormand, are particularly powerful for this type of work because you can quite literally build that story. And some of the most beautiful altars you can see, whether you're using candles or jars or whatnot, will lay these cards out as a sort of step-by-step. First we start here, then we end up there, and this is our final result. This is where we end up looking. So there's some really cool ways to build stories. People who come from a theatrical background, people who come from a narrative background or a writing background, a uh, visual background, I think will have uh, will find this easier to do than other people. It takes a little shift. You're telling a thematic story, you're telling a symbolic story, and you're building it with the iconography of the tarot and the lorman. What makes it immensely powerful is that that's imagery that is almost archetypal. It's imagery that is reflected culturally, right? If I were to pick out the death card before uh, people ruined it and called it a transformation deck or what, a transformation card or whatever <laughs> the hell they call it nowadays, um, if I pulled out the death card and I showed it to someone who has no knowledge of the tarot whatsoever, they'd go, oh, shit, death, <laughs> right? They'd look at that image and immediately know what it meant. The same thing with the devil card. If I pulled out that devil card and I showed it to somebody who has no knowledge of the tarot, who has no tarot reading experience, they recognize it. And so there's some deep cultural symbolism there. Why does the mice and the little woman represent what it does? What does the fox represent what it does? So there's some deep cultural symbolism that you're building on, and that has inherent power. Yeah, Cousin Joshua said something in the chat. I'm going to read what he uh, wrote. He said, it seems to me that working this way really requires a fluency and facility with the cards first prior to using them this way, or at least the ability to really see justice in the justice card. I think this is where the imagery has to stick with the magician operator in a really powerful way, right? I agree, but there are some things that are so flat-out obvious. I'll give you another example. You all have heard me talk about going to find a new place to live spells using a map. I've talked about it often. And um, if you want to find that house, you can lay out. I I like to use a little mini 
uh, Rider Waite mini deck because it's so small, but you can just take make small prints um, if you have a good color printer. Um, and you lay those down. So where you start with where are you? You know, where am I? You may be holding the um, oh, you know, the uh, ten of wands and trying to get to that house. And now you're going to, you know go forward and you're going to get to the house and it'll be the Ten of Cups, right? And so that's your path. And along the way you might meet someone who loans you money. That might be that merchant with the Six of Coins. You just put them out. You make a little story. I think I need this character to come into my narrative, right? And then at the very end, well, we're going to live here for the rest of our lives. We're going to grow old and have grandchildren and you end up with the Ten of Pentacles. So those kinds of stories are pretty obvious if you understand even the narrative that you would find in a, a movie, a, a drama, a, 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 any kind of epic poem, you just these these cards are like a little bit like a thematic perception test, and you can just pick what you want. After all, if you're going to be doing it, you can make it be what you want. You can do the same thing. You want someone to go to hell in a handcart. Well, of course you're going to pick the tower and the devil and death and lay them out and have them, you know go through them, you know, upside down as the hanged man dangling over these cards. I mean, you know, that's pretty obvious if you, I mean, if you have a, that kind of a mind, I guess. Those are your scenes. Those are your scenarios. And Contraman is right. It really does have to do, if you have a background in the uh, entertainment field and the dramatic arts and the literary world or in the writing of music, you'll understand the format and structure of what I call the narrative of intent. And that's what you want to form with these um, with these cards. Now, I, I'm going to go into another thing, which is going back to uh, Deck of Spells by Charles Porterfield. I'm sure there'll be some people who are listening to this show who've never seen that book. Um, uh, Charles and others like uh, him, me included, who collect old playing card decks with writing on them. You'll sometimes find them come up, oh, these cards were defaced, and someone wrote the meanings of the cards as they understood them, sometimes at the head and foot of the cards and sometimes on all four sides. And sometimes they would copy printed versions that they'd seen at somebody else's and they'd be handwritten. And, and Charles began to collect a few of these and he began to realize that these were actually instructions that could be used for doing spells. And he then researched were playing cards used in spells in hoodoo going back into the older um, anthropological and ethnographic resources that we have that date back to the 1880s, 1890s. And he found that among the uh, spells collected by Harry Hyatt in the 1930s, there were quite a few that specifically said to use playing cards to perform certain magical acts. And we talked about it, and he said, I don't know that there's enough of them to make a book, but there are enough of them to form a basis for a book. And so then he decided to work out a spell for every playing card. And he did a brilliant job of it. But he also gave absolute honor and respect to the hoodoo practitioners of the past who had done it. And he even found old, old spells with playing cards that went back to the time of Queen Elizabeth I. So it's a really great book. And the interesting thing about it, when you look at the illo in it, these are, uh, he just basically threw out his mm. 52 cards and took a picture of them with the words written on them. It's really interesting. 
That's fantastic. I'm sold. I don't have this book. <laughs> I just was looking oh, at it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You've got to get that book. That book is is unique. It, it's an amazing book. And, um, again, it's one of our best sellers out of the, the whole Lucky Mojo line because so many mm. people have found it useful. He also gives a few quickie, you know, divination systems for, you know, for reading the 52 cards. You know, just there's different ones sure. for different um places but he, so you can actually also use it to learn divination or get a start on learning divination i should say great book then i really like the idea of um using playing cards because what he says is that playing cards are so cheap and you can just mutilate them and if you get a deck that's short a few cards you just buy another deck you know dollar 79 two dollars sure. whatever and um some of the some of these older spells that were collected by um, Harry Hyatt from the 1600 black practitioners whom he interviewed, some of them involve cutting the the indices off the cards, the number, you know, that's, and, and the suit, and um, burning those or just using the indices. It's very interesting. They were already into manipulating those cards just the way that some people think of as modern. But no, this goes back um, almost 100 years now. I was once uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, and uh, I, I, I met a, a, a man who said, oh, I, I, there's this monk you have to meet. And he took me to the outside sort of areas of the city to a, a little monastery with the you know, traditional monastery to this monk who, who gave readings. And, um, and you know, they... they they only had wonderful things to say about him. And I was very impressed that when I sat with him, he took out a pack of playing cards and that's how he wow. began his reading. He, mm. he had me choose cards and, and then uh, at the end he gave me one of the cards that was a card for, you know, aiding me in, in what it is that I was, you know, working on. And uh, it was great. It, it was exactly what you're just talking about. Um, but so surprising to find a monk in in, in Bangkok doing this. I was like, okay, I guess wow. this is worldwide we're doing these things. Yeah, that's a that's another thing. You can give a card to somebody if you do a reading, um, and want them to be impressed with that card. Whereas if it's tarot cards, it's a little on the costly side to yeah. be giving away tarot cards. But playing cards, you charge so them more. Cheap. Yeah, they charge. Oh, you're such a good. You're you're such a good thing to. Yeah, charge them more for a tarot reading and give them a card. <laughs> um, but those are um, those are yeah. The universality of this is um, part of what's amazing about it, because so often people think, well, how could right. that be that a monk in Bangkok would, you know, Thailand would would use play cards, but they're everywhere. They are everywhere. So nice, nice thought. The, the, giving of a, of the, the giving of a card as a talismanic object is also such a cool, cool act. Because it is. It's a personal talisman. If you have a tarot card and you don't want to give out the card, you can tell mm-hmm. them which card represents them and have them printed out. So I've done that where I'm like, this card is really coming up, the strength card, over and over and over, or the Empress card. I want you to print the Empress card out, just Google it, 
find it available, print it out, and set it up as the image on your altar or burn candles on it or put your face on it. Or sometimes I'll do it for them, in which I will take, for example, the Empress card, and I'll put their face on where the Empress is. I'll send it to them. Say, use this in your candle work, burning candles on it. Write your name at the bottom of it. Write your birthday here. Uh, anoint it, uh, and then place your candles on it. So you can tell people what their card is rather than uh, give them a card. If, for example, you don't want to lose a card in your tarot deck, um, you can easily say, this card came up, or this card is really symbolic for you. This card is really powerful for you. I want you to print this particular card out. There's also things you can do with the cards themselves, in addition to, for example, burning candles on them. But you can manipulate the cards, not just in the narrative you tell, but in the physical actions you take. So, for example, if you are a person who works with reverses, you can flip it so that it's right side up and then burn root opening candles on it. This is the act of literally reversing the bad luck and opening the roads or using van-van oil. Um, or you can do something if there's, for example, a negative card that comes up. Let's say there's someone uh, who is particularly evil or who has done harm, who has worked a particular binding on someone, and it shows up in the devil card. You can take the devil card, write their name on the devil card, then tear the devil card. The act of tearing it up is a magical act of destroying it and then burn it to ash. Therefore, driving them away. So the physical things you do to the cards themselves, not just the way you lay them out in the altars, not just the way the story that you tell, physical act onto the card is in of itself magical. Even the simple act of turning a card with intention can be incredibly powerful. Yeah. And uh, another thing that Tony, I would... Tony, I, well, let me just, I just want to say something. I want to keep up with the chat here. Um, Tony, I said something. Um, he said it's believed that cards originated in Korea and then spread to China, and Marco Polo brought them back to Europe. Um, that is one theory of how these... It's pretty well understood that what we know as playing cards did originate in Asia. Was it China? Was it Korea? It was somewhere in Asia, and... Um, they did end up also in Egypt. They ended up, Marco Polo definitely had a hand in this, as well as bringing spaghetti and a bunch of other stuff to the Italians. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the fact that they are everywhere uh, really is um, its just one another one of those things that actually started in Asia, although we tend to think of our playing cards as being European. Yeah, anyway, the older, the older decks in China are very interesting, and they're not. Um, they are about a third thinner than, or they're about a third of the width of a of a poker mm-hmm. card. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's probably originally uh, like strips of bamboo or. or that you would use mm-hmm. to create these and old versions of them. And you basically just have the pips. You just have the the indices. Mm-hmm. People here still play games with them. Like you still go to a park and you'll see old ladies playing with these cards. Um, and, and I have seen readers who use them, although a lot of readers here uh, do use modern tarot cards. Um, but you still can find the old style Chinese cards in play for readings. It's really cool to see. Oh my see. gosh, you should uh, go find some and sell them on your website. I'll buy them. <laughs> okay. No, I, I know yeah, exactly. those are really cool. Those are definitely, <laughs> definitely cool. Because I, 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 I also, think I've seen them available. I need to know some Chinese. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Those, that's, interesting. They're really neat, and I've seen photos of them. I've never had a deck of them. There's a, yeah, I've never had a deck of them. There is something either. about the, why the tarot became more and more popular as time went on. If I collect um, photos of old fortune tellers, and most of them, 19th century, early to mid-20th century, they're using playing cards. Um, yep. I have yet to find anyone using a Lenormand deck, but uh, in an old photo. Not even Lenormand. <laughs> Not even Lenormand, yeah, right. But um, but the tarot begins to take over in the 70s, um, yeah. right around the time when U.S. games uh, sort of, you know, began yeah. to um, expand. And th- there's a – but prior to that, there was a tarot that was made in America by a guy named L.W.L. DeLawrence, which was a pirated or plagiarized version of the English – Rider weight deck, which he did in sort of a weird blue and yellow, kind of mustard yellow and a sort of a <laughs> blue green. It was a really weird color choices, and it was it was really ugly. But I knew a woman who read with those cards, although she preferred playing cards. But she read with them also. She um, was not the only person I knew who had that deck in the in the fifties, sixties before U.S. Mm. games. One reason that people like to use tarot is that. It's almost a proof to the sitter, to the client, that you're not just arbitrarily saying, well, the three of hearts means such and Mm -hmm. such. They can see the picture, Mm -hmm. right? And so people began to use it as um, as I said, sort of as a proof of what the playing card was. Part of the difference was, though, that the tarot card pictures and images did not completely correspond to the playing cards. And... I would love to see a tarot-style deck that used images compatible with playing card divination. There are things mm. that don't match up is what I'm trying to say. But right. Still, That's kind but, of what um, my deck does. Yeah. You do, you, you, you are, you're aware of that issue, too. Um, there are mm. people who read playing cards who started with tarot and just make a mental translation in their head to, well, if this was to row, it would mean this, and so I'll say that. And so, therefore, the old playing card meanings are getting lost, which is one reason that uh, Charles Porterfield's book is important, because he's stuck with the old playing card meanings. They don't always differ. I'm not trying to say that they're a completely different system, but there are, mm-hmm. there are, some, there are some differences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should, we should and, note here that the, one of the reasons the discrepancies exist is because technically the tarot is two decks that have been put together. So the old yes. the Mamluk, the old suits yeah. that we know, originally from China, but the suits actually are consolidated in North Africa. It's a Mamluk deck. So there's all sorts right. of variations, mm. but the coins, the batons, the swords, the chalices, that's Mamluk. That then right. gets introduced, and then the Tarochi adds on the imagery, which is mostly from Christian mystery plays and Jewish biblical mystery plays that were popular mm-hmm. in the early modern era. And so the symbolism doesn't always click, but it's there. And we can also see one of the reasons that, that, that tarot ever takes off is because it's seen as uniquely divinatory, whereas playing cards are playing decks. You play games with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm going to add one more thing. Um, and then the Rider Waite Smith adds all this Egyptophilia that's yeah. just um, an <laughs> <Yeah>. insane <laughs> blow at the end. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Now let's go to Clifford. That was our little cue. We're going to take a reading with a client. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and look at it online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners heard, uh, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics and First Psychic Line, run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly, call 1-884-HOODOO, or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is La Flora, uh, calling from area code 408. Uh, La Flora, are you there? I am here. <laughs> can you Welcome. hear me? It's good to hear your voice. Oh, yes, I can good. hear you wonderfully. All right. Um, you have indicated that you have asked on this question before, but you haven't been on the show. Uh, you talked yes. to Evan Lionheart about this, and you want an update on your reconciliation. I, uh, I also talked to him and, uh, too. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Yes. Um, uh, it, it, superb. It does. Um, uh, do you need to adjust your workings? Is there a timeline for your success you wrote? Um, are there blockages, and are there tools available? Uh, over to you, Miss Kat. All right. LaFora, I missed the other name you said. You'd had a reading with Evan, and who was the other person? With you. With me. Okay, I thought you said my name, and I wasn't quite sure. All right. Um, So you want a a progress report on your reconciliation. Well, since I was the person who last read for you, I'm going to turn this over to Contraman. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I'm happy to read for you in this instance. Can I just get a couple more details here? First and foremost, this is a question about reconciliation. What is your sign of the zodiac? A Sagittarius. Sagittarius. And what is the sign of the of the individual that you are uh, trying to reconcile with, or who is your Aquarius. your partner? And as yes. an Aquarius. Okay. Uh, and how long were you two dating before uh, things hit the fan? Not too long, almost like two months, but it was pretty, it was super serious. (laughs) Super serious. And how long have you been separated? Uh, Like a month. A month. Okay. So a month separation isn't too bad, but you should note, I always tell people this, uh, and I'm very upfront about it. uh, If you're separated longer than you were together, the chances are. Yeah. That doesn't mean mean you're doomed. It doesn't mean, oh, my God, it's never going to happen. But it does mean things get harder and harder. So like if you were dating someone for two months and you've been trying to reconcile for six months, mm, things don't yeah. look uh, ideal right now. So That's uh, why I, I wanted an update. You know? Yeah. So uh, there is a further consideration here. Uh, Sagittarius and Aquarius uh, aren't always the best mix, we'll just say. And this is very superficial. You'd have to, have to take a look at your separate charts together. But you just have a double body sign or a mutable sign with a fixed sign, you have one ruled by Jupiter, you have the other ruled by Saturn, so they're very much the modalities, the planetary significations are very different between these two. Uh, So what I've done is that what I generally do with all readings is I actually uh, always have a geomantic chart kind of going so that if someone asks a question, I can quickly answer it. So I use my Rommel uh, dice to kind of cast four times in order to get the mother. And then generally when um, Cliff is talking, when Clifford is talking, I'll construct that particular chart. And so I have pulled a chart here, and it gives us sort of three uh, images, and it tells us a little bit 
of what you can expect. The very first figure that appears, and that first figure is on the right-hand side. It's known as the, the right testifier. Uh, I think the Europeans call it the right witness or something. Um, and this is an indication of uh, where things were. And this is the figure of Christitia or sorrow. And this tells us that things went south, things went bad. So it just speaks to the past experience. It is a figure that is ruled by Saturn. So it tells us that the, Saturn, the Saturnian nature within the relationship took a downward turn. Um, yeah. I would not be surprised if this was related to a little bit of the mood, temperament of the individual you're interested in, uh, yes. who they are as a person, who their character is, that Saturnian nature getting the best of it. Uh, Saturn uh, is in many ways a self-sabotager, and there's some components of uh, uh, not, I wouldn't say depression, but there's sort of uh, pessimism there and patterns that kind of get set and that keep them from finding happiness. And Tristitia really speaks to that. It's a stake that has been driven into the ground, and you can't really pull the stake out. So it's very hard to do. I would, uh, you know, at some point you might even consider doing some type of astrological reading just to take a look and see what was going on in your year and maybe mm -hmm. what was going on in this person's year, because I wouldn't be surprised if this all had something. When did this happen, if you don't mind me asking? When was the this specific break? Um, this happened right before, like the incident that caused it happened right before the new moon in April, like March. In April, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I, I see it. So that, okay. <laughs> that makes all sorts of, that makes all sorts of sense. And he's got some bad astrology going on, I would say. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah. that's, that's the turning in. That's the stake. Very clearly, yeah. Tristitia. Thanks for confirming that. Yeah. <laughs> So well, thanks for confirming like, this my is, work. This is great. I mean, this is something very, I was like, this has got to be April or March. This happened, but now that's, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Then we look to the left witness or the le left testifier, and this tells us where are things going. And where things are going is the figure of populace, which in Arabic is jamiat, and it is a figure of um, things opening back up. So it's a very much a reversal of that stake. It tells us that there will be an opening up. The work that you've done is going to open something up. When Jamiat or, or Populous shows up, it almost always means communication of some sort will happen. Some type of building, some type of meeting. It'll likely happen in a public place of some sort. You might run into each other. There may be a social media connection. There may be a text that happens, but there will be some form of communication and followed up by an actual physical meeting. And the physical meeting will be somewhere relatively public. So it might be something like a coffee shop. It might be someone. So you'll see some breakthrough happening in that regard. This will likely happen because populists can also tell us a little bit of timing late summer. So for me, this would be actually May, end of May, early June is when you'll probably see some type of breakthrough. By about mid-June, if you don't hear communication, that's an indication that everything has sort of just collapsed. But by yeah. mid-June, you should hear a pretty clear like, hey, I, I saw this song and I thought about you, or I heard this song and I thought about you, or hey, I, I, I found this old thing that we used to watch, or something like that. There'll be yeah. some form of communication. And then from there, like, hey, you want to grab coffee or something along those lines. That said, I'm going to be very clear here, that the final result is the judge. This is another copy, and that gives us our final answer. So we've gotten a clear play-by-play -play and timing of when things will happen. The question is, will you reconcile, and will this work be successful? And the final figure is Puella, the girl, the bint. 
This uh, image is that of a mirror, and that says that there will be success. There will be superficial success, however, meaning that the connection will be made. There will be a reconciliation, but whether that reconciliation lasts is unlikely. And so that's going to be up to you if you're going to, once you reconcile, if you want to continue to do work and try to salvage the relationship, you'll have to do more work at that point. But you can expect a physical contact of some sort that may perhaps lead even to uh, intimacy between the two of you. Puella is ruled by Venus. This is also further confirmation once Venus leaves Aries and moves into a better position. She'll be moving into um, uh, Taurus later on, that you'll see some form of real opportunity to reconcile. So the answer here is yes, you will reconcile, but the final result is whether that reconciliation lasts, that is up for debate. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Stuart Palm, and then Kat is going to give you some root work recommendation. This is so fantastic. fantastic. Thank you. First time caller, this is the best. Thank you. I, I actually lost contact a minute. I didn't clearly get your question. So if you could tell me that again, that would be fabulous. Yes. Uh, will my reconciliation with Osua be fruitful? Sorry. can't remember exactly. Will it be fruitful? Will it work? Sorry. <laughs> Got it. Will okay. it come to pass? I'm just going to quickly catch you up. Uh, she's a Sagittarius. He's an Aquarius. They were together two months. They've been apart one month. Okay, thank you. So I am working with an oracle deck, and uh, I'm just going to pull three cards for you here. And, huh. All right. Okay, so the first card I have is, um, it's, a cross, but in this deck, this cross is on a shield. It's drawn on, a, on an image that's from a chapel of an angel holding a shield with a cross on it. And this is about spiritual protection. It's about protecting yourself. And so this is telling me that you need to, at this time, protect yourself from something that's going to be negative, that's trying to come into your world, into your energy, and affect you. It's not directly speaking to the reconciliation possibility, but uh, there may be a negative part to this that you are not seeing, that you should block away, that you should uh, keep away from yourself. Uh, This card is the Seven of Diamonds, so this is definitely connected to your uh, grounding and and practice of spiritual um, activities. So this would be the time to uh, sage your house, the time to uh, use the Palo Santo or whatever it is, the the black crystals at the door, uh, to make sure that you are in a good space for what's going to come next. Uh, the second card I have is the book, uh, and in this deck, this is the Ace of Clubs. This is a period of learning, of uh, developing your powers, of focusing on what you can do to make a change, uh, to bring forth what it is that you want to bring forth. And I say that in that way because the third card is a mortar and pestle, and the mortar and pestle is about doing the work to get the outcome you want. And with these two cards, it's not a matter of um, what's coming from the universe to you. It's a matter of you can adjust things to create and affect what you 
want to take place. It's going to take work, though. Uh, so this is going to take both spiritual and physical work to bring about what it is you'd like to bring about. Um, my question is, I, I have a feeling from just the brief what, what I've heard, uh, that you do know what you want. You do know the outcome you'd like to have happen. Um, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So this is put your full focus into learning and practicing what you can to bring that outcome to fruition. I am going to pull one more card for you that is more direct as to is that work going to be successful. And the card that I get is the Ten of Diamonds. Uh, in my deck, this is a bottle of champagne exploding uh, <laughs> into glasses in a circle. This is uh, things that are successful in a material world. So I think that you will be able to do this. You will be able to get this. And uh, uh, it's just going to take work and learning. All right. Um, Okay. Um, This is an interesting thing because the two readings don't correspond greatly. They do and they don't. So um, uh, Contraman ended up with populace um, there, which was about social media, parties, people, and Stuart ends up with the exploding champagne bottle. Right? <laughs> and so there, it says to me that if you meet him again, it will be in a social context. And they both emphasize 100%. that this will be a... Yeah. Yeah. What? What did you say? Yeah, hundred percent. You're you're right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, one of the things to do is to think about what kind of social situations you can meet this person in again and work for that. I don't know uh, if you were together two months. If there were social events that the two of you like to patronize, whether they were concerts, you know, fancy restaurants, um, you know, walks in the park. Whatever it was, you want to be doing that because that those two um, indications show that you will meet under those circumstances. I am also concerned, though, because we had the card of um, sor- I mean, not the card, the geomantic um, tristitia, the the sadness, and we also yeah. had um, the um, uh, the card of um, of the cross, uh, which is not that happy. It, it, it does says that there needs to be some sort of uh, protection of yourself. So I'm going to be, give you a very conventional form of working with hoodoo, which is to set yourself a deadline. And since you were together for two months and have been apart for one month, I'd like you to set the deadline for your work as to be on the two-month mark. We don't, as, as Contraman said, we don't want to go over into negative time, right? You know, if you were together two months, work for two months. But while you're doing that, I want you to focus on the idea of running into each other and meeting and seeing each other via other people, okay? So I'd like you to take a candle for yourself and a candle for this person, name them, bless them, consecrate them, dress them, baptize them, however you work them. And these should be little freestanding candles, And I want you to start them fairly far apart. And you can, if you want to, dress them with some oils such as attraction, reconciliation, come to me, 
uh, return to me and things like that. Um, put them fairly far apart on a table uh, in little stands. Don't put them directly on the table. Don't catch the table on fire. As you bring them closer and closer together as they burn, and you can do this on a big cookie sheet, by the way. That's one of the nice ways to work, keep the table from getting messed up. Um, as you bring them closer and closer together, I want you to start adding other candles around them. This is the populace. This is the people. And these can be um, in a circle or an oval or however you want to represent them. Um, they should be smaller candles. In other words, if you start with two six-inch candles for the two of you, you could use little birthday candles um, for the other people, four-inch candles if you must. And just light them. If they go out, just light more. I want to see your two candles getting closer, closer, closer. Now, if you wanted to use figural candles, you can. Uh, these would be um, gender-specific figural candles, if that's what you want to use, like Adam and Eve candles or anything of that nature. And you can then, they look a little more realistic. They then function as dolls or effigies. Bring them close. And as you do, the little candles around the outside edge can just be plain candles. And let them let them light. So you're going to end up with quite a little um, birthday cake effect with dozens of candles burning. All of the little candles that are um, going to be burning around the outside edge, they don't want to draw attention to themselves. They just want to be happy, happy candles. So you can um, just put on, on them any kind of... Um, Oh, you know, blessing or victory or whatever kind of an event you think they should be at. And they will just be burning there and lending light. I would do this spell. You have a month to go. So um, you could do this spell over time. When you want to put the candles out, pick your fingers and snuff them. Um, or you can light new candles if you want to. But don't be using big glass jar candles for this because if you have to put them out and relight them, jar candles get all sooty and smoky inside if you try it, and it never really looks good. So just use the regular freestanding candles for moving candle spells. I like that better. If you wanted to, you can use vigil lights for moving candle spells. I'm not saying that you can't, but not in this particular spell. Now, you can also, when you do this, uh, put around the um, tray or whatever, things that remind you of this person. Did you take a walk in the park, put some flowers and leaves? Did you meet in the library and read books, put some writing around? Whatever it is that gives you that sense of how you were and you want to be again. I'm going to tell you, though, that my feeling on this, based on what the cards that both of these readers drew, is that it's not an open and shut case. Your work is uphill. Time has passed. Every day it's just a little another day later. And it may be that the basic outline of the situation, the basic problem of the situation, which is the fact that um, one of you is ruled by Jupiter and the other by Saturn, is not going to be copacetic in the end anyway. So that is um, my idea. Does anyone else have anything else to add? Just oh. briefly, uh, if you're working on an Aquarius, you probably won't see results until you see results. <laughs> they, they keep things close to the chest. It'll look like nothing is happening, and then bam, overnight something will happen. Yes, and also Aquarians aren't doing really well at this time uh, due to the presence of Saturn. Aquarius. 
All right, good luck. All right, and now it is time for our insane music, the one that comes from deep within the earth and outer space simultaneously. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Stuart Palm of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong. Take it away, Stuart. Thank you. So today, um, I'm giving a spell to manifest using cards because of the theme that we have. And uh, this is a structure of using a spell so that it can be applied to many different things. It's a a bit different than I I guess what I would normally think of just a regular spell. Um, And for the process, you need a deck of cards which will be devoted to this work. So you you would need an oracle deck or you would need a tarot deck that is the deck you'll be working with for this that's not going to be used for other things. The first thing you would do is you need to know and state the goal that you are manifesting. So the thing that you want to create, you write that down. In you, when you do, you write it in the present tense. Uh, so if, for example, uh, you want to move to a job where you're making twenty or $200,000 a year, you write down, I am making $200,000 a year at this new job doing whatever it is that you are uh, planning to be doing. Uh, and then you find the card or cards that best represent this goal. For example, uh, I would use the fox, uh, in, in the anchor, and the fish. The, the fox is work, the anchor is a commitment, and the fish represents a financial windfall or financial success. You put these cards uh, uh, into your altar. These cards are going to represent the goal that you want to bring forth. Then uh, you find a card to represent the, um, or you write down when this takes place, how far in time you are seeing this happen. I might use a astrological card for this myself, uh, as I have. I like to work with astrology cards in conjunction with using other cards to do this kind of work. You imagine this goal having taken place at the time you have decided upon, and then you imagine the last thing you did or would do before that to reach that goal. And what you do is you work backwards in time, repeating this process, looking at what would have happened before that and what would have happened before that and what needs to happen before that. Once you create that timeline, you find a card to match each step in this process from your deck. So basically, you are building an order in the deck from the present to the time that you will manifest this, that this will take place, uh, so you can follow that path. You are creating a path to manifest step by step. 
You arrange the goal in a prominent space. You put it on a, a working space, on an altar. You light a white or appropriate colored candle for what you're doing uh, on, an, on the appropriate days, for example, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, and then you arrange crystals and other items to help the process along on your working space. In front of the goal arrangement, uh, you place this stack of cards so that the top-facing card is the first step in the process towards the goal. And as you achieve each step, as each uh, representation that you have chosen for each part of this process is achieved, you put that card back in the pack. So you are guiding yourself each step of the way to the goal using the deck to manifest and help guide you on that process. You keep this work going until you are, you get to your goal. Uh, and, and I also suggest as you're doing this, uh, dream magic and sex magic are both helpful uh, at, at strengthening this power when you keep focusing those things on the end goal as you go. And that is uh, a manifesting a goal with uh, oracle or tarot cards. Oh, wow. wow, that's very cool. Oh, that's really, Thanks. really nice. That's very elaborate, but it's yeah. <laughs> very thorough. Gosh. Yeah, there's, this is a type of step-by-step that people can follow if they're just getting started with this. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an excellent way to um, organize your thinking also. Just selecting the cards, as you said at the outset, is part of your education of what you're doing. And that's totally. so important. You know, um, the example given is for one um, situation. I would um, recommend for people who want to start working this way, who are unfamiliar with the cards or are unsure of what they're doing, they might want to call a reader and say, look, this is what I'd like to do. I want to do this nice. type of thing. What cards should I get? And then in which system? I'm using Lenormand cards, or I want to use Tarot cards. And that um, your reader will be, who has so much more experience with cards than most um, clients do or new practitioners do, will be able to help you select cards, discuss them with you. And then you can build an um, idiosyncratic or personalized version of this spell. Very, very interesting. I I would love to be called on such questions. I think it would be pretty amazing. <laughs> How about you, Conjurman? Right. What do you think? Well, I think this is amazing. I think this type of working is uh, such a great way for people to get started in using cards to manifest um, and really kind of change the way they think about their interaction with the cards from a sort of passive divination to actively manifesting, actively manipulating. But yeah, I love that you can also add a little bit of sex magic and dream magic to it. That's always a good addition. I, I like what, what uh, Nagashiva said here. This is a good way to test a reader, too, and their knowledge of their own cards. Mm. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting well you know testing the readers is always a fun game for certain types of customers and clients but um yeah that would be interesting as well i may add that you know when when we have people joining hoodoo psychics and joining air 
we give ask them to give a test reading, and I have to always come up with a question if I'm the person administering the test, right? That may be a good question to ask them, you know. <laughs> not not tell me my future, but I want to do a spell that causes this, that, and the other to happen. Now, what cards should I use in this spell? Wow. Uh, that would be that's a tough test because some you know we all think of the cards both Lenormand mm. and uh, the Tarot as having certain historically based images and some you know um, it's it, it's easy enough to, to to transpose horses to being cars or truck drivers but some things you know what is the card of the software coder. <laughs> <laughs> Good question, right? <laughs> well, thank you, Stuart. That was an amazing spell. Thank and you. Really, really unusual um, way of working out the issues. Um, all right. Well, uh, so glad to have you on the show. I look forward to someday having you as a member of Error Who Do Psychics. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. it, would be, it would be so nice to have you as uh, among us in our little circle of friends. I already consider you a friend, but that little circle. Oh, me too. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of sure. which, there's some people. There's some people in the chat. I want to really quickly say hi to Doc Murphy. Hi, mm. and and cousin Joshua. Hi. We all know what's coming with you guys. So keep your fingers crossed and keep your your eyes on the prize. All righty. Um, I'm going to turn this over to Clifford, and he's going to give us our announcements, and then we'll come back and say goodbye. All right. Thank you, Miss Cat, and happy birthday. And Conjure Man, and thank you, Stuart Palm of StuartPalm.com in uh, Hong Kong for being our guest this week. Uh, we would invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Dr. Jeremy Weiss of TempleMiriam.com in Seattle, Washington, on the topic of incense in the Bible. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour brought to you by Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat in the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and ConjurmanConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Bio, California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from CliffLowe.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com slash RadioShow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. And thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Thank you, Clifford. And um, everybody, stay tuned. Watch your social media. We're releasing video teasers about the Hoodoo Heritage Festival August 13th and 14th. Every couple of weeks, a new video announcement comes out and um, new members joining air. But get your tickets for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It's virtual, and you will get a goodie box with lots of goodies in it as a kickback on your price of your ticket. Good night. All right. Bye. Good night, all.